following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. As we look at our scripture this morning, this is one of my favorite accounts of scripture of that morning with the empty tomb. You can find it all throughout the Gospels. But I love that as John writes this, he really tells a story. Because as John writes this, you'll notice as Mary Magdalene comes back and says, the tomb is empty, he and Peter are there and they hear. Now notice that Peter is Simon Peter, but John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right? And who's going to tell him not to write that? It's his Gospel. So the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? There it is. Then you notice there is a foot race to the tomb. And John makes sure not to mention it once, but several times who won that race to the tomb. I love that. He's like, listen, the Lord gave me this gospel and he told me to tell the truth, so I'm going to tell it twice. And I love that he makes sure Peter knows, you lost, buddy. For the rest of eternity, as people study the Word of God, you came in second. And we all know second is first last, right? But you have John, and I love that he does that. I love that as we have Scripture, that it gives us this funny moment in the midst of the celebration of that Easter morning, that we have this goofy moment where John makes sure you know he was first, and he was loved. But also that he was a bit of a coward, Because he showed up first, but Peter goes in the tomb first. Which I get. Because even if I showed up first, I would be sitting there panting and just go, no, Peter, you go ahead and find the dead body in this tomb. Right? You know, you check out Jesus. You make sure. And then as soon as Peter goes in and goes, yeah, he's not here, all of a sudden John's in, right? Like he beats him and then goes, oh, you first. Just in case he's a little afraid that the women were wrong, and there is, in fact, a dead body still in this tomb. He lets Peter go. So not only do we see him being loved, being first, but also being a bit of a coward. And it's just a great story. And story is a part of who we are. And I can prove that to you real quick. If you look at these phrases, I want you to help me finish them. The first one, there is no place like home. That's right. From the Wizard of Oz. No place like home. If you build it. Aha, you're wrong. It's he will come. Ah, yes, one of those classic lines that I wanted to throw in there. To get you off. Throw you, throw you a bit. It's a pastor move. To get you a little antsy. But if you build it, he will come. The classic field of dreams. Elementary, my dear. Watson, you can find that. That's in books, that's in movies, that's in TV shows. Nobody puts baby in a corner. That's right. We all know that. Patrick Swayze helped us learn. To infinity and beyond. We know that one real well. Because it's not flying, it's falling with style. And then this is a newer one. Let's see if you get it. This is the... Way, okay, got some of that for those of you watching Mandalorian. Then we also have something today. He is risen. He is risen 
We love story to the point that all I have to say are a couple of words and most of you would know what was coming. Right? If you build it, he will come. You almost want to say it in that whisper of the cornfields. If you build it, he will come. And I had to sit and listen because I looked up the quote and it said, he will come. I played it like four times going, you know, Kevin Costner is here majestically walking through cornfields. It's like, no, it is he. It's not they, okay? We have all kinds of these quotes that you could pull up from books, from movies, from TV shows. That story is ingrained in us. And as we think of this story today, oftentimes we think of this week. We think of Palm Sunday to Maundy Thursday to Good Friday to Easter Sunday. And sometimes we just think of Good Friday to Easter Sunday. But the entirety of Scripture is telling this story. God creates in the beginning. He looks around and He creates this world. He creates humanity. And He says, it is good. And He says it over and over again. Until we reach a point with Adam and Eve where there is a fall from grace. And that which is good is no longer good. But in that moment, from Genesis 3.15, there is this. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Immediately, God's promises of a Messiah. He looks and he sees the world that his, he has created that is good, that has now fallen, and he doesn't wait and go, let's see if you get better. Let's see how you do. He goes, immediately, there is one who is coming. And he shall crush the enemy. Then what we get is a period of waiting in between. The people of God do well and they fall. They do well and then they fall. And then he sends the prophets. And these prophets come to call the people back to God. But as they call them back, they also speak of the promised one who is to come. The prophet Isaiah will speak of the suffering servant. And he says this, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. That as Isaiah prophesies, he speaks of the cross. Job would say this when he is at his worst. He would look for hope and he would say, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. A man who has had everything taken away from him, thrown away. That he has family members telling him, Curse God and die. That his best friends are saying, What sin have you committed that God would do this evil to you? And his response is, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last He will stand upon the earth. And then we come to a baby in a manger. The one who was foretold, and He would grow into a man who would go to the cross for our sin. And then rise again to an empty tomb. And John would end the section we read today with this. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and he saw and he believed. 
For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that He must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. I love that end. The disciples went back to their homes. Because it's not an end. We think the story has reached its crescendo. That here Jesus dies, He rises again, and okay, here we come to the end. But actually it's a new beginning. Because He dies and rises for us. That the good news for us is that Jesus comes no matter who we are and He says, I am here for you. That the gift of the cross is for you. And the empty tomb is a response to say, and there is a new life ahead. That He rises again to show us there is hope. And they go back to their homes. Because when Jesus dies and rises again, and then He will ascend, He doesn't leave His people behind, but instead He says, I am with you always to the end of the age. The story in Scripture has not ended. The Easter story didn't end that Sunday. It began. We take this Sunday out of the year to specially celebrate the empty tomb. But the truth is, every Sunday we get together is a Sunday to remember that death could not hold our Savior. That Jesus came for us. And the joy that we can find in Him. Paul would write in Romans 6 like this, Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. That in baptism we are buried with Christ, but we come up out of those waters in that resurrection life. And we don't just talk about the resurrection as something that was nice and happened back then. We believe it's coming again, which is like the weirdest thing. But every week we say we believe in the life everlasting. That we believe that at some point Jesus will return and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and it will be perfect as if we were in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Sometimes we think about Jesus' return and we go, oh, it's going to be all of us floating on clouds like little angels. That's not what he says. What he says is there will be a resurrection. We'll be recreated into perfect form <clears throat> as we were originally created to be. But our resurrected life has already started. One day we will die, but that is not the end. But this new life, this life everlasting, started the minute Jesus rose from the dead. And he said, I am for you. And that story continues every day of our lives. That we are a people of the resurrection, bought at a price, and given new life. He is risen. Please rise to receive a blessing. As you go out this week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you 
and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you.